everyone, welcome back to the regular exclusive podcast with Jace and Renee. And uh, we had some Golden Globes that just happened. Yes, we did. Gotta love the Golden Globes. There's nothing better in my mind than uh, half-drunk celebrities and sloppy organization. Mm-hmm. It was it was a mess and it was it was hilarious. Yeah, they went way over time. I mean, they always do, but like they really did. There was a lot of fucking just chatting away. I feel like Jennifer Coolidge was on stage for like half the show. Yeah. I don't know how, but she was. <laughs> and I could not follow a thing that she was saying. I was like, <laughs> are, are you OK? What's going on? But everyone else was laughing. So. Yeah, I was getting like half of it. And then towards the end, I was really on board. <laughs> and she just I, I love her. She's so funny to me. But and I need to watch White Lotus is mm-hmm. what I really took away from last night. I think my favorite speech at least in regards to uh the the running way over on time was when natasha leone went up and she like had this whole monologue about time yeah and time all time leads to death and just like <laughs> it was just stalling yeah and it was so good. you know the producers were just so pissed <laughs> i know it's so perfect that's the thing i love that and then everyone also like especially colin farrell and michelle yo both being like fuck off stop the music And then later they kind of like because the music was really awkward all night, I felt. And then it was like because it was just more and it kept getting louder. And like they do that, but it's just I don't know. It was very aggressive. And then they later tried to say it was like, oh, it's just supposed to be background music. But I'm like, no, that's (laughs) in the in the award show world. The music is to play you off the fucking stage. Don't try it. Oh, it's background music. Keep going. It's like, no, that's not what you're doing, asshole. My my favorite thing that happened with the bat with the wrap up music was when they did the the non English movie. Mm-hmm. It was that Argentinian movie, nineteen eighty five, and like they gave them maybe ten seconds. I know. And then they were just like so excited that they won. They just like started speaking in Spanish. To, they're like, we're going to talk to the people that we want to talk to. And then they just started speaking over the music. And it yeah. started to get so loud. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's always the most awkward thing. And yeah, that was super awkward. Also, what a surprise for Best Foreign Film. I, I didn't expect that category to have the biggest surprise of the night, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, I love RRR. It's amazing. And I was shocked when it won Best Original um, Song. Mm-hmm. And I was like oh it's one another category it's definitely gonna win yeah they kind of set it up that way it's kind of like when there's a you know the best animated film but then there's an animated film in the normal best picture film it's like okay so we know who wins best animated film exactly like yeah there's just no way but yeah little upset there (laughs) yeah that was really shocking i thought it was if it wasn't gonna be rrr which really seemed like it was I thought it will be all quiet on the Western mm-hmm. front. Yeah. And yeah, I was really shocked by that. There were other, there were some other shocks for sure. Like the music one did. I I mean, I still think Gaga was robbed, but I'll <laughs> always think that. Um, and then also, I think one of the more shocking things, maybe not even just the win, but in the fact of like the certain categories that movies and shows were put into that like just didn't feel like there was any cohesion. So that's the thing about the Golden Globes that I just don't understand. They, there's no rhyme or reason to how they do things. 
like every category they break up the the actor the actress drama comedy but then they just decided hey let's just have one category for all supporting actors yeah like you guys don't get your own separate the only one let's just have the comedy and the drama in one supporting actor category there's too many good supporting actors i guess they're just like fuck it and then it's pretty much just all the drama ones basically maybe a comedy one will get in there but you're like okay so they're basically just it's they just don't care (laughs) they're just like whatever fuck it and then also elvis in the drama but not best musical comedy (laughs) what the fuck was that was that a prank i don't know i don't think bohemian was i don't think bohemian rhapsody was in musical either not that fucking (laughs) bothers me too but and then Banshees of Inisherin, I've only heard that that's the most depressing movie of the year. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, oh, how cool that the most depressing movie won best musical or comedy. Like, that doesn't fit either of those things. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Why wasn't that competing in drama? Switch it and Elvis. I'd feel so much better. I feel like none of them saw that movie. And they one person's like, oh, yeah, that movie's funny. It's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbass. That's the thing. But I did... That did make me wonder then about best picture for like everything everywhere all at once. Cause that should have been that category's winner. That was, that was shocking. That was very shocking. I, a banshees. I mean, I know that there's a lot of love for that movie, but I thought it would be more acting and like writing and stuff mm-hmm. less of the like best picture stuff. I, I figured, I mean, I know Fableman's won best drama, but yeah, I thought everything everywhere was a lock. Yeah, me too. And maybe we're just trapped in the in the everything bubble. <laughs> we're a real passionate group of people. <laughs> I don't care if I'm in the bubble or not. I'm never going to see a movie that makes me feel that way ever again unless I rewatch it. I'm curious of Banshee if if it would be over everything um at the Oscars. There's a part of me though that feels like the Oscars are just going to do the thing where they they get real excited about a movie about making movies and the fableman's gonna win i mean i would not be mad about it because i think also spielberg locked in his best director with that speech last night which was just beautiful didn't you think like how he's been telling parts of this story throughout all of his work and that's what's really so beautiful about it and it's not even like he's like a pompous asshole saying that like oh my life's so important Mm -hmm. he's just like it's like he's an artist and this is something that like is like the root of like everything about him and why he is the way that he is. So it's it's a really great movie, but I think that speech really nailed it and why people are responding to it. Yeah. I mean, I was real mad that Daniels didn't win. Me too. I, I didn't know if they were a lock, though. But but Spielberg is the one person on that list that I'm like, I get it. He's the most influential director of of our generation maybe of all time like i i get i get it but the thing that just annoys me is like you hear how uh you know like kihi kwan and michelle yo like how they talked about the daniels versus any other actor that won an award like they thank the director but like there is such a a love for mm-hmm. daniels and it's like oh just for everything they did they deserve it but i know i I do also think like it's like it's only happened a couple of like a handful of times that they've awarded a directing team Mm. 
So that's an, I don't know if that's a factor. It's like, oh, there's two people. So not as hard. Like, I don't know what that means. I think the Cohen brothers, obviously, probably, I think have won. Yeah. But like, I think in general, there's like less, they don't usually nominate the pairs. Or if they do, they don't award them as much, hmm. which is annoying because I feel like it might even be, it's probably even harder to fucking be a good directing team. Yeah. And you're right. The, the passion that makes a big difference. And I know that like, Kihi Kwan did shout out Spielberg though for like giving him his first shot. Everybody did. Everybody honestly. shouted out Spielberg. I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> like if it's not the Daniels, I was like, okay, Spielberg is totally fine. Literally the the only one that I'm not mad that yeah. they lost to. Like if it was any other ones, I would have been like, oh, no, this is stupid. Yeah. And then I did I have not yet seen Black Panther, but Angela Bassett winning. I heard she's amazing. Yeah, so I need to see that, and also like that shocked me because I figured it would be Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm, I'm a little salty that Stephanie Shu was not nominated. Me too, but I, I'm like I get it. They're not. I don't know. I maybe the Oscars will correct that, but and maybe nominate both of them at least. But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis also I don't think has won an Oscar. Maybe I, I she could, has. I, 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 I could know. believe that she hasn't. She doesn't really done like a lot of those kinds of movies. She does a lot of movies and everyone loves her, but yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just found out it says, okay. So James has never even been nominated. Okay. For an Oscar, which is insane. She's done movies before that like could have been, or she's been a part of, I'm sure she has, but anyways. Yeah. I agreed. Stephanie Hsu. I wish she would get nominated or at least like win, but I mean, if it can't be her, I'm still cool with Jamie Lee Curtis. And I also love Angela Bassett. So yeah well and as stupid as the the one supporting actor category is i was really happy that ki kwan won because i was not sure if he would be in the oscar running but now i definitely now i definitely think he is oh he's been the front runner of this category for like the whole year so far he's won every single award for every supporting actor that they've done like he's the he's the guy there's no competition what a comeback I'm so happy for him. Michelle Yeoh obviously still has huge competition with Kate Blanchett. I have yet to see Tar, but I don't know. I just think it Kate Blanchett's already won an Oscar. That's enough. Okay. Let's stop rewarding people with multiple wins when there's like, like, you know, how many times are they going to nominate Meryl Streep and give her a fucking another Oscar? <laughs> I love Meryl Streep. We all agree she's fucking incredible, but let's award some other people, right? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Michelle Yeoh snapping at the the wrap up music that yeah. might that might have scared the Oscars a little bit. Like, she, we can't <laughs> have her do that. I mean, they really should just cool it with that shit. It's really <laughs> annoying. I also thought that a lot of the like there was a couple of people who couldn't be there, and the way that they phrased the reason that they could not attend the, that night's ceremony, yeah, they were just weirder and weirder the more that they had to keep coming up with them. So the first one I think was Amanda Seyfried. She yeah. won for like best limited series actress, right? For the yeah. dropout. Yeah. And she wasn't there because she was deep in the process of creating a new musical. And everyone's like, what the fuck? That's just a really weird thing to say. Like deep in the process of creating a new musical. Like, okay, that's weirdly specific. And then my, I think my favorite though was Regina Hall. <laughs> had to read because Kevin Costner won for best actor for Yellowstone. That right? was shocking. Yeah. 
and especially Bob Odenkirk. I thought he would win. Yeah. I mean, I just started Yellowstone and it rocks. So I, I kind of get it, but like, I thought Bob Odenkirk was a lock. It's the last season. They you know. just really, they didn't give a fuck about that show at all. <laughs> Better Call Saul. Who? What? I don't know. <laughs> they forgot. But yeah, Regina Hall, she had to say that Kevin Costner could not be there because he was sheltering in place in Santa Barbara, which just sounds ridiculous with, if you don't know the context. That yeah. like, there was like really bad storm weather there. Like California was having a fucking shit show. They still are. <laughs> yeah, they still are. Exactly. So it's not like, but she just laughed. And then she was like, I mean, I know that they are having, but it's like, oh, is he at his big mansion in Santa Barbara? Poor Kevin Costner. I hope he's okay. <laughs> and it was just really, really funny. Oh, man. What a good time. <laughs> a really good time. I think, uh, yeah, that was just really fun. And then also, I did have to say the Eddie Murphy, Will Smith joke was incredible. <laughs> I thought that was like, He's like going on about the keys to success, to success, right? It's a blueprint, and I followed it my whole career. It's very simple. There's three things you just do. These three things: pay your taxes, <laughs> mind your business, and keep Will Smith's wife's name. Mouth. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Golden Globes, for being a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's what we can always rely on. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's take a little break, and then let's get into this awesome movie, The Menu. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. Yes, chef! We harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel? We gel. He's not just a chef. He's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. The Menu, 2022. And, man, this movie was... I We waited too long to watch this movie. I know. I wish I saw it in theaters. <laughs> it was so good. And I, I had heard... not hard, I heard hardly nothing, nothing before it came out. And then... Like, I feel like November and December, I just kept hearing a ton of stuff about it. Just like yeah. people saying it's one of the best movies of the year. And so then when it popped up on HBO Max, I was like, okay, this is the first thing I'm watching in 2023. Like, let's mm -hmm. do this. Yeah. And then you and I were texting each other. We're just like, oh, my God, we have to talk about this movie. <laughs> it was incredible. And it like in a year of really strong movies. It was like insane that all of a sudden this like late entry into 2022, I'm like, okay, well, this is in my top five. So now I have to rethink that, which already took forever. Yeah. All I know is that Nope is at number one, but this one really like had to slide some shit out because it's, it's fucking great. Yeah. It, it's the timing was funny because yeah, we were about to record our favorite horror movies of the year. And then we watched this movie and I mean, 2022 is such a good horror year. Who would have thought that like this movie that was just like, oh, yeah, been meaning to watch this totally just threw itself into our list like it wasn't going to be. And then it was just on there is great. Yeah, it was a real surprise. And I mean, especially because it was hyped up, I think, because when it when it's hyped up a lot, I try to like go into movies with low expectations every single time. But when you hear it's really, really good and it's so clever and hilarious, I'm like, 
Oh boy. All right. Let's see if it is. And then it's like, oh wait, it is and more. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Well, so a little bit about the menu. So, I mean, the basic plot, according to IMDb, is a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Shocking is probably an understatement. There's the things that happen in this movie. They really do like shock you. They got some good, uh, good old twists. A lot of twists in movies this year that I did not see coming, and I'm, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think this year's the movie of really hard turns in movies. Yeah, the year of hard turns in movies. Yeah, like this barbarian. I know there's a couple others, but just like, you know, we expect twists in a movie, but there's, there's been a lot of movies this year where the twists are way more than we ever were expecting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think since Malignant, everything's on the yeah. table now. That's really got to be it. Just really broke the dam. It really did. And especially because it takes you so long to get there. Yeah. They really make you work for it. And that's just fucking badass. I think everyone respects it and goes, okay, well, like, you know, I guess I can do my movie about a naked mother in the basement. Like, <laughs> and I guess I can do the menu with all these crazy fucking twists that like it's incredible how insane the plot is and ends up being but it's still so like it's just perfect (laughs) how it all works together well and it was funny also that we watched this right around the same time that we watched top gun maverick Mm -hmm. and top gun maverick is a movie that has no twists you know it's just very a to b and so this movie, this movie made me like really remember. Oh, I love when movies do this. I love yeah. when movies just take you for a ride. That's why I wasn't as impressed with <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Not that I like had any big like love for it before I even saw it, but like, you know, I just thought, well, this is exactly what I expected. <laughs> and when I can say that this movie is a thousand percent not at all what I expected, I always like that more. I agree. Well, this movie did pretty, pretty good. You know, um, in terms of of money, so the budget was estimated thirty five um, million, which this movie is visually beautiful. We'll get into we'll get into it more. Like, mm-hmm. so like I, I see where they put the budget. So worldwide, it did about seventy six million. So give or take the marketing budget, it about broke even. Not bad, though, for this year. I feel like if you have a movie that even has a tinge of horror, mm-hmm. you're going to make some money at least. Yeah. Maybe not a bunch, but there's been a lot of horror hits this year. So I'm not surprised that it did well. I think it. I wish I would have helped make it do better because it really deserves it. But it's having a second life on HBO Max. I feel like so many more people are talking about it now because they've finally seen it. Yeah, HBO Max timed that really well. There's a lot of people, I think, that wanted to see this movie. Mm -hmm. And and then there it is. There it is. So I thought a fun way for us to go through this movie, since it's, you know, about restaurants and uh, fine dining, I thought we could talk about this movie uh, kind of like a four-course meal. Perfect. And uh, so, like, the first course... You know, as someone who is not uh, a fine dining connoisseur, I, I had to do a lot of Googling and research to to see this. Traditionally, the first course is the soup. Hmm. Uh, so I thought this could be where we kind of talk about where we were before watching this movie. What were our thoughts on it? What were our expectations going on it? 
and I'll start us off. I was not sure if I was going to like this movie um, initially because I saw the trailer and I'm like, oh, it's about restaurants. And I'm not really a huge person with cooking shows. I've seen a couple episodes of Chef's Table, but like I, I haven't watched them all the way through like Nick Holt, Nicholas Holt in this. Tyler. Let's just call him Tyler. Tyler. Tyler's a real piece of work. <laughs> but yes, I, I like cooking shows. I'm not like a huge like. I don't watch them all the time, but like when I watch them, I'm like, ooh, this is, it's like food porn, you know, it yeah. is, it's a thing. And when I saw that, the other, I was more like, oh yeah, food porn and horror, sign me up. Yeah. It was the cast that I was more interested in. Mm -hmm. like, Great oh, cast. Really good cast. You know, maybe, maybe I can get over the, the food part. Like I was thinking of, um, oh, can you get over the amazing looking food? <laughs> Although it does look pretentious. I'll give you that. Well, like the first thing that came to my mind was um, was that Bradley Cooper cooking movie. I think it's called Burnt. I never saw it. But I, I never just, saw that either. I just heard it wasn't good. And it's like, so uh, you held know. that against this movie just because of one cooking movie? Well, from the trailer and I don't like cooking <laughs> shows all that much. So I'm just like, I don't know. But then when I learned that it's like a black comedy and it's like a horror and then I started hearing people talk about it, it as like, Okay, this seems right up my alley. I don't know what 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 were your kind of thoughts you know, after seeing the trailer, or, you know, initially. Oh, I was just excited. I thought it looked hilarious, and I I'm a fan of movies that have to do with cooking, or like like even if they're not good, I'll still watch them <laughs> just because like I do enjoy the food, and I have that. I always get that thing of like just when you watch a movie and they're making a certain food or eating a certain food, it's like. I have this insane desire to make that food and eat it at the exact same moment when they are. I don't know why. It's like a huge, I'm obsessed with it. And so like, I was like trying to think of other like chef cooking movies that I really like. There's the chef movie with John Favreau, which is fun. Okay. Yep. And that one's a good one. But I was thinking more about like Ratatouille specifically. Rakakuni. Rakakuni, if you will. <laughs> um, and a lot of people I've seen it. People were talking on Reddit about how this movie could also be described as Ratatouille directed by Ari Aster. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking genius. I love that. <laughs> Cause that, and then when I saw that, I'm like, okay, well I know I'm going to love this movie. Um, but yeah, I was excited. I like a horror comedy. I didn't know how scary it would end up being, which I don't think it was really scary, but a lot more tension mm -hmm. and serious stuff that happened that I did not expect. So I, I expected more of like pure fun, just like silly. I'm not like malignant level, but more like like ready or not. Yeah. Right. Which mm -hmm. we'll talk about later. But people had also described this movie as ready, ready or not mixed with The Invitation, which is those are just two of my favorite movies of all mm. time. So I had high expectations, you might say. OK. <laughs> all right. Well, then I think that's a good that, that was a good soup. Let's uh let's go to the second course here, which traditionally is, is the appetizers. So So yeah, no wait, before we go to the second course, I wanna I wanted to mention like horror movies specifically with cooking, mm -hmm. because that's like a, its own little weird subgenre. Or not necessarily cooking, but like food or like you know, food and eating in like a horror movie, basically, right? Okay. So I was trying to think of like some of them and like I was like, oh, man, I love a lot of these movies like Sweeney Todd. 
kind of they bake the people into pies so it's kind of got and they do a lot with the baking it looks really good fresh i won't ruin that movie for you because i don't think you've seen it but that one is like has to do with like kind of similar stuff with raw yeah another one uh bones and all is like a horror love story about cannibals which is really weird but amazing but I think my favorite was always the Hannibal TV show. I don't know if you ever watched that. Oh, yeah. You know, he's cooking up people. But holy shit, that those that fucking oh, yeah. look, looked so good every time. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. the food in Hannibal is is incredible. I got hungry every time. But I'm like, it's it's people. But I'm still hungry. I would 100% have eaten it, though. I don't care. And then my last one was, do you consider this? a horror movie that would have to do with food or like cooking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't remember eating in those. Well, they're like, I think they're like a cannibal family. Cause they like oh. have the girl at dinner and then they try to get the grandpa to eat her, like bite off her finger, or cut it up or something. I don't know. But I was wondering, I was like, does that count? I mean, they don't really spend, there's no like, Ooh, that cooking looks really good. Like <laughs> I would still eat that. You know, you're like, Oh, this is fucked. Yeah. But like at least for all of them, I would say Hannibal definitely has the the factor of like that food looks amazing, even though I know it's like fucking people. Yeah. And I would still eat it. Whereas this movie, at least I know that like the food I was expecting this movie to become a cannibal movie because of all of those references that I just gave you are all about eating people. That's a lot of what's in horror movies with food or cooking. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. much all there is. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a a safe guess that if the movie revolves around any sort of cooking and it's a horror movie, they're cannibals. That's I just assumed. I mean, I was like, there's probably there's a ton more. I'm sure I missed, but like literally every single one of those is about eating people. Yeah. And regardless of how they prepare the food and how delicious it looks by the end, it's like that. I was expecting that this whole time. So that was <laughs> another big twist. I think. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to say that because I thought that was interesting. But we can move on now to the, what was the next course? Are we doing the amuse-bouche or the appetizers? Yeah, so the second course, appetizers. It is and has always been the food of the common man. But you, my dear guests, are not the common man. And so tonight, you get no bread. All right, the second course in our meal today is the appetizer. This is where we're going to be talking about really just the wonderful cast and characters of this movie. And uh, I mean, I'll I'll start us off with a little shout out to the director, uh, Mark Myloid. Is that right? Sure. Mark Mark Myloid. He's British, so that's probably closer to how they would say it. Okay. So he's done a couple movies, but mostly he he directs TV and he has directed a lot of great things like Game of Thrones. He did uh, some directing there. He's done Entourage. He's done a bunch of stuff. My favorite thing, though, he has directed a lot of stuff for Succession. It's one of my favorite shows. It's so great. It's it's very similar to the menu in that it's like a very dramatic show but it has some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in a show before. And like that style matches up. And also the, the aesthetic of this movie, like this looks like an episode of succession. Like it's very clean. It's very wealthy. Like it, it crushes all of that stuff. It's I, 
Shout out to him. I loved it. He was so good. I hope he keeps making movies because it's just great. Yeah, this is a cool, like, I don't know. Is this his first movie? No, he he's done a, just like a couple through the years, but he's mostly just stuck to, to, to TV, directing TV. Well, this is a great, like, jump back into it. I hope he does more, too. And now I probably should watch Success in, su- blah, Succession. <laughs> Because I really enjoyed the vibes of this movie and the balance of the tone, which I thought would not work, but it did. <laughs> yeah. So the the cast of this movie is pretty wild. Like, I mean, Ray, Ray Fiennes is, is just doing a master class. He looks like he's having the time of his life in this movie. It's like, it's like I'm going to do a character that's kind of like uh, Hannibal Lecter and then Voldemort. Yeah, but with like Gordon Ramsay thrown in. Oh, I think Gordon Ramsay is the inspiration for this entire movie. <laughs> I would love that, honestly. I mean, he does he does call a customer a donkey, so there was that, and I was like, mm, I know what that means. Gordon Ramsay probably has idiot sandwich trademarked. <laughs> probably, yeah, exactly. So, but they were able to sneak that one in, and the donkey it was just perfect. But yeah, you're right. Ray finds this like. He's just having the bl- a blast in this movie and really just, I mean, I feel like I just watched Glass Onion and Daniel Craig was having the time of his life. I'm mm-hmm. like, get these two in a movie together. These guys are having fun. I mean, actually, I think they were in the fucking James Bond movies together now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was think... he was M. <laughs> well, those weren't as fun. What the fuck? <laughs> Put them in a movie like this where they can have fun together because they both had very similar energy. But I also love that he just, in this movie, Ray Fiennes like speaks so elegantly the entire time, even when he's calling someone a fucking donkey or like you moron. Like just the way that he speaks is so good and he nails it. You know, just everything about Chef is amazing. <laughs> he Ray Fiennes like does so many like really serious movies or like really serious roles. Like he is such a high caliber actor. It's just so funny to see him in a movie like this. Ed just like he is playing the role perfectly you know he's not trying to to be something that's like a comedy movie or whatever like he's like this is a real movie and i'm going to be this chef and i'm gonna let everyone else do the funny parts but i'm just going to be this thing to a t and it's perfect yeah well and he, i think he also gets the best lines of the movie because he, I mean, at least a lot of, the, or he says, it wasn't cod, you donkey. It was halibut. Rare fucking halibut. Just like things like that. It's just so good. I really, I've, I've loved everything, but I think his best line might have been when he's telling uh, John Leguizamo's character, the actor, about mm. his first day off in months that he went and saw his movie. I saw the film calling Dr. Sunshine. I did not enjoy it. Sorry? It was a Sunday. My one day off in months. The most precious day, the day where I was allowed to live. And I saw the film calling Dr. Sunshine alone in the cinema. But look, I, I, I didn't direct it, I just acted in it. The memory of your face in that film, seeing you again now, haunts me, drives me. What happens to an artist when he loses his purpose? so great (laughs) it's hilarious i loved it It was like but it does have a deeper meaning to it right there was like a specific reason for each of these characters 
and how they like played a part in like the misery that is now his life. And it just, I thought it was great. He was really funny and yet really emotional. There was a lot of scenes, even just with his eyes that I was like, God, he's fucking good. (laughs) Yeah. He, he has so much range. I mean, as an actor, but then also as a character Mm -hmm. in this, like, (laughs) I think my favorite line, it's just, it's, it's three words, but it's when, um, I think it's when they have the tea and Tyler is like, is this bergamot I'm getting, chef? Yes, it is. Just like this fucking guy. (laughs) I know, because that's really, I mean, we'll get to Tyler, but yeah, that is so good because he's like, yes, (laughs) it's so pretentious. I love it. (laughs) It's just, he's so great just because like he has all of these kind of different pockets that he needs to play in, like being the head of the sh- the chef being the presenter of this theatrical thing and then talking one-on-one with people and then like that scene with him and um and, and margo in the back office like like a very emotionally resonant scene and he he puts his guard down like all these different spaces that he has to be this this thing he's he's amazing at so good he was perfect i don't know who else they could have cast but he was literally the perfect perfect person for that role and i felt i think after watching this movie i'm just so shocked about how much chemistry he had with anya taylor joy Mm because i never would have thought put those two together they probably got something going on they were just fucking great together i mean i know they're both great actors but just to see them together and they were just something to watch i really enjoyed their their interactions in such a weird movie in such a weird movie i mean ray finds he i think he should be nominated for best actor for this movie it, it, it's not the type of movie that he that he would get nominated for but like he should because like he's he's so good he's excellent he's he's really really good and the movie would not work as well without his perfect performance the tortured artist yeah, but he's still sympathetic, even though he's killing everyone. I mean, it's just great. <laughs> and then you have the uh, his nemesis of Anya Taylor Joy, the person who doesn't belong. The the audience POV, basically. We're yeah. like with her. She's just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" At any moment. You haven't touched your food. There is no food. No, no, this is food. So, um, lots more food to come. I want to fill up. That would not be possible. I've precisely designed the portions to account for that, so you won't fill up. Please eat. The menu only makes sense if you eat. But you told us not to eat. That is not what I meant, madam. You know it. Well, thank you for your concern, but I am perfectly capable of deciding when I eat and what. I love when he's like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Margo. He's like, I've served a lot of Margos. You are not a Margo. <laughs> He is like, I know a shit shoveler when I see one. And he knows that she's also a fellow service industry worker because we'll get into the plot and all that. But that this movie is really a lot of, I mean, it does skewer like the whole fancy restaurant, famous chef, all that stuff. But it also is like a lot about like being a service provider and like, not like a cell phone company, but like a service worker. <laughs> yeah. It was just really great. I've always loved Anya Taylor-Joy. I think she also has a lot of range. Cause she's done a lot of different stuff. And she also, she has great chemistry with, with Ray Fiennes, but also great chemistry with Nicholas Holt. Okay. Let's talk about him. Cause Tyler is like 
the maybe the star of the movie kind of runs away with it. <laughs> I, th- I think Tyler stole the show for me. Like, yeah, me too. Because I, I, I thought Nicholas Holt was fine before this, and after this movie, I loved him. I didn't think I could love him. I was like, he's beast, you know, in the new X Men movies, and I'm sure he would hate to be known as that. <laughs> but that's like mostly what I remember him as. Yeah. Sadly, so this really turned him around in my book of like, wow. Like I, I mean, I didn't think he was a bad actor, but he just plays this guy so perfect, and he's just the worst, and he's so funny. Do you make that with a Paco jet? Exactly right, sir. Yes. You know, a Paco jet can produce a powderized, uh, snow-like texture. Cool. Yeah, I have one. You really know your stuff, Mr. Ledford. But he's also like really sad and pathetic that you kind of feel bad for him. But then he just also does the next pretentious thing. Like he just he's literally the most pretentious person. He's also kind of like like in the new scream, they kind of skewer like the fans of movies and like say like there's a line of how can fandom be toxic? And it's like this guy is literally like just similar like that, you know, where it's like this is like really he's a toxic dude, but he thinks that he's like. (laughs) so cool because he knows all this shit about cooking <laughs> yeah like he he knows technically every piece of the the cooking puzzle like he he knows everything in in its definition and yeah so that makes him kind of have like this sense of like oh i know i'm i'm an expert i can do this stuff like and he, he kind of lays it out at the very beginning of the movie when they when they eat the the little like oyster thing and then Anya Taylor Joy is like yeah I prefer oysters and then he just immediately he's like no you're wrong yeah exactly like your preference doesn't matter you're wrong this is better than oysters that's what I'm saying it's like this whole movie is like it's specifically about cooking but it really is like a whole thing about all art in general and art criticism and like just because you can research and read and learn everything that there is to learn from a book doesn't mean that you actually know anything because you don't do it. Like this is like the culture of people saying, no, I know better than the people who are making these movies or the people who are cooking this food or painting this painting. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because you can learn everything on the internet doesn't mean you're fucking special. But that's what I love about his characters that He's just the embodiment of that. And he, and he also just says the worst things, like mouthfeel, right <laughs> off the bat. Please don't say mouthfeel. Yeah. And even just, like, the little things, like him slapping her hand away so he can, like, take a picture of his food or, like, snapping his fingers at her. Yeah. It's like he's just the fucking worst. And he also just thinks the rules don't apply to him. You know, he's taking pictures of food when they tell him not to. But he is really funny for how annoying he is and how horrible of a person he is. It's kind of incredible that he's not like the most annoying person in the movie. The the stuff with him that's so funny is you have Anya Taylor-Joy who's reacting to all of this crazy stuff happening and like it's the way a normal person re- would react and then Tyler is just totally oblivious to it. He just doesn't give a fuck about anything but the food. <laughs> like yeah, like something terrible happens and then he just takes a bite of the food and he's like, "Oh my god, you have to try this." <laughs> I know. I do love that and like you kind of figure that out later that he's like why he's so calm but like I'm still kind of curious why he would be so calm yeah but he just seems like all in on it he doesn't give a fuck like they like the guy the sous chef shoots himself and he's just like oh this is delicious yeah I love it it's like so fucked up but it is kind of like 
you know, he just will sacrifice everything just to be a part of the club, I think. is That's all he desperately cares about, mm-hmm. that he doesn't give a fuck about anything else. And actually, I, this, I just remembered this. Um, so I was watching this with, with Sarah, and Sarah pulled her, uh, her, her literary degree out and started doing some research on this and pulled up some good stuff. And so, like, um, Chef Slowick, his uh, name, I think it is Polish, but... It's yeah, it's Polish for nightingale, and nightingales are birds that sing at night, and they're known for sad songs, consuming obsessive love, or the coming of spring. And so, like, Chef Sloak is just this sad song of he was this really pure artistic person, and then just like everything gets bad, and then the coming of spring is him doing the thing he does at the end, renewing, taking his art with him and all of the the wrongdoers with him, and starting new. Tyler, his meaning is a maker or layer of tile or a home builder, or this bigger part, the doorkeeper at an inn or a tavern. Mm. So since he knows everything that's going on, he kind of is the doorkeeper and he brings Margot with him. And, you know, Margot is the victim of this because she wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, And then also like Margot, she has red hair. That is typically uh, a sign of promiscuity, you know, and she is a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And then she also wears purple, which is a sign of strength, power and transformation. And this whole movie, she's the strongest one of the of the whole group. Yeah. She earns her freedom by the end. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's more there, there's more stuff that I won't just list off. But this movie has so much thought, like built into every aspect of it yeah even the fact that like all the food is real which is crazy so the the fact that this movie seems to just be making fun of chef's table is hilarious i was laughing so hard whenever they would show like the plate the name the description like oh my god and then learning that they actually had people from chef's table involved in the making of the show i'm like Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah, and all the people who play chefs and like in the kitchen are all actual restaurant workers or like who work as like that position in the industry. So I was just like, that's crazy. That's like (laughs) committing to it, man. And the fact that it was real, I think they did say like, you know, it's a lot about the food and I feel like if it looked fake, it would be obvious. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that they did that. It also still like as pretentious as all the food was. It still did kind of look good. Oh, yeah. But I think my favorite one was the breadless bread plate. <laughs> I think yeah. that's just the best. It's so good. It's got to be a bit. Are you fucking serious? It's also interesting how each character like represents a part of like why he is doing, why Chef Slowick is doing all of this. Yeah. See. So- you have the critics. The critics who literally just live to criticize things. They also mention, uh, Tyler mentions at the beginning to Margot, he's like, don't smoke, it'll ruin your palate. Mm-hmm. And later you see the critic chick smoking. So it's like her palate isn't even to be trusted. And she's closed all these restaurants. And she's the one who made Chef a star. And that's like the start of his downfall. Which those two also, they fucking crack me up the whole movie. <laughs> the, the critic and... That guy, they were just so funny when they're like, we're eating the ocean. (laughs) Or it's like, 
thalassic. And they're like, oh, thalassic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're so exactly perfect for what they're trying to. It's just so good. I mean, it's a little outrageous, isn't it? That's fiendish, really. I mean, he's he's always been keenly aware of food as a history of class. I mean, yeah. as have I. Sure. Uh, the rich guy and his wife is like old money. They don't know anything that they've eaten. They can't recall it. They're just doing it because they're rich and they have the money to. And they think that they should. So they're not even enjoying the food. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, they're rich. They're regulars. The The other thing that I kind of thought that they were representing is the the people that consume someone's art so much that it becomes normal. And then... Like once something becomes normal, it's it's a lot harder to see and acknowledge, you know, the beauty behind art or something like exactly. that. Exactly. I mean, that's so true. And it's basically every single one of the guests has in some way basically become like they won't ever be satisfied. Like he's servicing people and trying to provide pleasure to people who will never find the pleasure that he wants, right? Mm -hmm. He wants to and but he also doesn't care about fucking making them happy anymore because they've just taken all the fun out of it and like same with like john like was almost character the actor and his assistant when they're like what the fuck like why are we here and it's like i saw your movie and it was horrible but it's like it's an artist that's like given up on doesn't give a fuck about what Artie makes anymore and he's just doing it for the money right so the yeah. loss of passion i also love that like <laughs> His assistant is like, he's like, well, does she have to die? And he's like, what school did you go to? And she's like, Brown. And then he's like, student loans. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, yeah, you have to die. Sorry, you're going <laughs> to die. Sorry, you're dying. <laughs> um, and then also, I don't know if you know this little piece of trivia for his character, for um, the actor. His character was originally in the script as Daniel Radcliffe. And that was the character played by Daniel Radcliffe. And the movie was going to be Victor Frankenstein, which was a real movie that fucking Danny Radcliffe was in and they ended up not casting him so they changed it but wouldn't that have been fucking weird and hilarious because it's also Voldemort that would be criticizing him that would be funny that's probably why they're like we can't cast these two it'll be too much people would be too focused on the fact that it's fucking Harry Potter and Voldemort <laughs> uh Sarah said that she she read something that John Lee Leguizamo based his character off Steven Seagal yeah <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. I also love the finance bros. I didn't love them, but I hated them and I loved to hate them. They were the worst. Oh yeah, the they were the worst. Like, do you know who we are? We work for the guy who owns this place. And then like everything they're like, can we just get some bread? Like we get it, but like give us the bread. I mean, they were just they also they didn't they were just here just to say that they've done it just for the fucking yeah. like, oh, this will make me look cool. I thought that they represented um, people who are shitty to service workers. Like they, they, they represent those people. Hundred percent, bad customers. Yeah, but then also I felt like they represented um, kind of the people that that consume art so much that they also like feel like they are entitled to the art. Exactly. You know, like, uh, I paid you for this thing, so I deserve this thing. That's why I love that line when she, like, whispers to him and she's like, you will eat less than you desire, but more than you deserve. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> Which, by the way, we should talk about Hong Chao because she's fucking amazing. I love her. Yeah, she's great. She was 
hardcore. I was kind of scared by her. Scared Have her. you seen her in anything else before this? Um, maybe. Nothing I that... remembered her from the Watchmen TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's she was really good on that. Really and I was like, who that. is this chick? I love her energy in this movie. She was hilarious when she says, they're tortillas. <laughs> like the way that she <laughs> yes. said that. I fucking like, I spit out whatever drink I had. I was like, holy shit, that was amazing. What the hell are these? These are tortillas. Tortillas deliciosa. Yeah, so what, what are these? These are tortillas which contain Echo Bright's tax records and other documents showing how your company has created invoices with fake charges. How did you get these? I'm sorry, but Chef never reveals his recipes. <laughs> so um, Sarah also told me that this person, so the name uh, Elsa, the meaning of that name is uh, God is my oath. And mm. this, her oath is to Chef. Like she is yeah. militant in her devotion to chef they're, i mean they're basically a, a food cult uh like a little chef cult it's very yeah. strange i did not expect this to be a cult movie by the end totally i was thinking <laughs> that the chefs is like it's super like militaristic the barracks that they live in and the way that they are so organized they say everything at the same time like it is very much like yeah like they're they're it's the military and then the movie takes a turn and it becomes a total cult thing. Total shock. Let, okay, this is a good transition. Let's get to the third course. Here you have house-smoked breast chicken thigh al pastor and our own tortillas made with heirloom masa. All right, so this course, this is the main course. This is the entree. So we have to talk about just... <laughs> the overall story of this and i can only say it is the insanity of this story yes it it continues to get more and more insane as it keeps going but it's like it's just so weird i'll, I'll come back to the the ready or not mixed with the invitation vibes because it's got real strong it's like the perfect combo of those movies in my opinion where it's like really funny and satirical like black comedy humor and, like, none of the kills are necessarily scary, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's more... Some of them are even funny. But most of them... But then... Or sorry, not most of them. But some of them, and then, like, they're actually, like, emotional or intense. And, like, really, there's a lot of tension that is built throughout the movie, which, like, I love Ready or Not, but it's, like... I mean, it's basically, like, a chase sequence for the, like, three quarters of the movie, right? Yeah. So... The invitation is like that real slow burn where it's like a dinner and like things just keep ratcheting up until like the last 20 minutes become more of like, oh, shit, that's when everything happens. So this movie reminded me of that with the slow tension building and like the really uncomfortable and awkward moments. Yeah. Which like I thought, I mean, in the invitation, it's like stressful because there's no relief of comedy, really. There's more of just like continuous tension, whereas... This movie had a bit more of like there would be that crazy tension, but then we'd get some funny shit thrown yeah. in either at the same time. And you're like, what? Or like right afterwards. Right. Yeah. I both I love both of those movies. And to take two things that I like about them and put them together seemed really cool. Mm -hmm. and that's why I think I was on board with it. My favorite thing about this movie is it does something that not a lot of movies do nearly as well as this. 
the the stakes keep getting raised the entire movie like they they just keep turning the knob of craziness up and it's like yo you think it, it they're at 10 out of 10 they crank it up to 11 like it it is wild and i like you were saying the very like first couple parts is really just a lot of tension and like awkwardness and then there's there's funny stuff that happens but there's a lot of just like what is going on here and it's like very confusing but you're like i'm into it because i'm i don't know where the tension's coming from but like i feel it Mm-hmm. And I, I also think the clapping from yep. Chef all the time, it reminded me of like in Glass Onion when you're like, I know someone's going to die because it's like that fucking the slamming of the glass case. You're like, every time it slams shut, I'm like, I'm getting stressed out <laughs> yeah. because there's a continuous like sound like that. It's like they really do great with the tension building while also still having like humor. It's mm-hmm. pretty great how it keeps getting more intense, even though you get like slight little bits of relief. <laughs> yeah. I thought the first like... um milestone where like the movie really starts to get crazy is the taco tuesday speech when i was seven years old one tuesday my father came home quite drunk my mother grew angry and screamed at him at which point he proceeded to wrap a telephone cord around her neck and pull it tight i wept screamed begged him to stop to make him stop i finally had to stab him in the thigh with kitchen scissors it was as you can imagine as a very memorable taco night if, if by some chance ralph Fiennes gets nominated for best actor i hope that is his his oscar reel it was incredible taco tuesday and the fact that like the food is just so perfect with like the chicken thighs and the fucking like scissors in them like he stabbed his dad it was very similar to that scene in the invitation when uh, John Carroll Lynch starts like they're sh- they're all talking about things they want to do. And he's like, I want to tell you about my wife. And you're already like, oh, God. And then he's like, talks about how she died. And like, he basically admits to killing her. Yeah. And everyone's just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's like that. Like, it was so weird that you're just like, what am I supposed to say to this? And that's why, like, of course, like so many of the guests in this movie, though, are like, oh, it's definitely just like it's fake. It's yeah. all it's all theatrical. So I love that they keep saying he's so theatrical. Yeah. It's a story. It's like you guys are just making his point. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they say that shit. And then they serve the the tortillas. Tortillas. With the chicken. And then that's when it starts to get real weird because there's all this personal stuff laser etched onto the tortillas. My favorite though is Tyler because it's literally like pictures of him from that night taking photos of his dinner <laughs> after they specifically asked him not to. That was so good. And he's like, oh God, oh no, do you think he's mad at me? His reaction to that was so good because he's like, oh, he's so embarrassed and so like, oh my God, do you think he hates me? <laughs> it's like he misses the fact that this should be freaky to you. Yeah. Like, this should be like a red flag. Well, then then the, it's not long before the movie goes full crazy with um with the mess. The mess. Yes, that course. Did Was not expecting that. No, but it was really incredible. <laughs> Happened so suddenly. Yeah, like they fucking whip out that curtain behind the sous chef as he talks about how he's like basically sacrificed everything in his life to be the perfect chef and he'll never be that. So he yeah. just blows his brains out and they just shuffle in that fucking like sheet behind him and then like whip it out and you're like, oh my God, 
and there are people even saying oh yeah it's definitely fake it's like <laughs> are you kidding me they're like that looks that looks pretty fucking real to me <laughs> tyler's like oh this is delicious <laughs> it just it's just like i'm sorry what like why aren't more of you freak the fuck out <laughs> you know? They still have that. It's. I think it's just white people in horror movies. They always have this attitude of nothing bad would ever happen to me. I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, guys. Don't worry about it. Oh well. Then they. Then they. I mean, the the regular, the the older man, he gets freaked out and he's like, "We need to go." And then they cut his finger off. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was bad just from when uh, Elsa's like, "Which hand will you use to fight back?" I was like, oh, God. She's like, are you going to make us choose? I was like, they're going to chop his hand off. So just the ring finger, I was like, pretty impressed. <laughs> that was pretty good, though. And then I think at the end, don't they say, oh, no, it was a different guy that they put fingers in the goodie bags at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so up to this point, I mean, the crimes that have been committed in this movie is abduction, imprisonment, which they don't know yet. And then someone just commits suicide or mm -hmm. is a self-sacrifice. Then they assault the old man. Yeah, I would say they do a little bit more than assault him, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Cut his fucking finger off. And then they then they straight up murder Doug Varick. The CEO angel investor guy. <laughs> yeah. The business bros are like, you know who we work for? I love that. Yeah. It like violently kill him. They just I mean, kind of. They drown him. I mean, sure, that's violent, but like not violent for us. Like we don't see it. We just I see guess. that there's no more bubbles and we're like, oh, he's dead. Okay. Well, you you've seen a lot lot of bad things. So maybe I've seen not a lot of worse you. shit, Jace. This is really mild. This I'll is put child's it that play. way. <laughs> this is child's play. I mean I've heard that drowning sucks. I mean not that I would who would know that? I don't know. Um but anyways. So like in a matter of twenty minutes <laughs> We've had we've had suicide, suicide, cutting off a dude's finger and then murdering <laughs> someone. Yeah, straight up murder. And then you're like, all right, I know that this is just if this is already where we're at, there's still like a bit more to go. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, so how do they how do they talk? Like, how do they keep it going? Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I was surprised that they got to murder. So like that quickly that I was like, OK, well, where's does what's dessert going to be? That's, yeah. That's going to be intense if we're already fucking killing somebody. Uh, well, and then the, then they do that, the the man's folly, where a chef had sexually tried to sexually assault his own chef and then just um, just shunned her for eight months. And then she, so they make a meal out of this, apparently, and then she stabs him. And then they go on to hunt all of the male guests. <laughs> I love that. And I love the one tech bro that's like already running before they even tell you the fucking rules. And they're like, all right. And then Tyler is like staying there at the end. And they're like, you have to go too. And he's like, oh. and like walks. And it's like, he's just like hanging around the fucking like main building the whole time. He doesn't, he's like looking in the windows. Like he doesn't want to try and get away. I love it. So it was, it was after the, the, the mess when the guy kills himself and like all this stuff up to this point, I'm just like, this movie just feels like an Ari Aster movie. Like if they took if they took the comedy out of it, like it, it's it, it's a pure horror movie. Like it's this is Ari directed by Ari Aster. <laughs> yeah. it's just like they this went from a militant chef's team to now this is a full blown cult. Like they yeah. said, like oh yeah, we're all gonna die tonight. <laughs> it was actually my idea to kill <laughs> yeah. everyone. 
pretty proud of that. <laughs> You're not going to like convince this female chef. The women are trying to like talk to her. And then they're like, all right, does anyone want more wine? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And then all the meals. I think Tyler's bullshit was like the most intense one, though. That was such a great scene. So like, Such yeah, a great scene. That's the next part. So yeah, they, they, they hunt all the guys. and <laughs> The fact that the, the guy who is the last to get caught, they catch him and then offer him the little egg. <laughs> like it's just holding it to him in the just fucking like, chicken's coop just like begrudgingly just like grabs it <laughs> that was really really great yeah and then we get to the tyler's bullshit right that that scene was was wild because like it it really lays out a lot it lays out a lot of stuff that's totally different than what we thought it was like it makes it everything so clear that yeah he's just he's this this bullshitter guy who Knows all the technical pieces of it, but he's never actually cooked anything in his life. What else? Um, shit. Would you like some shit? He's not really, he can learn all this shit, but he's just desperately trying to be like one of them. And he gets to, I guess, in death a little bit, but like the fact that they make him like cook shit on the spot is like, it's like a really stressful scene because like I would I mean, I loved it because it was such a good punishment and comeuppance for that character. But like he really sells that scene. You kind of feel really bad for him. Like yeah. I feel the awkward and awkwardness and the tension. And, you know, it's not going to be good. Well, and also the fact that a lot of the humor comes from Nicholas Holt. Yeah. So for him to be in this totally like uncomfortable thing, like the whole movie, nothing has phased him. Cause like he knows everything that's going to happen. And so like nothing is fading and he's just, he's just hilarious the whole movie. And then this happens. He does not know what's going on. So he's totally flustered and mm-hmm. like scared and doing all this stuff. And R- R- Ralph Fiennes is hilarious. <laughs> this whole part. There's a new, uh, a new dicing method, which we have been woefully ignorant. What next? B- uh, butter. Butter, butter, leeks and shallots, sautéed in butter. I bear witness to a revolution in cuisine. Because he's just like fucking shittily doing everything. And it looks horrible. And you know it's not going to be good. But I just, I love it. And I love that Ray Ray Fine says to him, like, you are why the mystery has been drained from our art. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just such a perfect uh, chef's kiss. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's so good. Just like, just because you can read up on all this shit doesn't mean you actually know anything. You have to fucking try doing it and see if you can keep up with these people. Yeah. And then I just want to know what chef whispered to him that made him just go walk away and hang himself. Like probably just said, go walk in there and hang yourself. And he said, yes, chef. Like, I'm (laughs) sure that this guy would would do whatever that guy told him to. He basically is just dying to be in this cult. And he thought, I think he definitely knew he was going to die no matter what. So then he's like, fine, fuck it. I'll just go hang myself. Probably why he was also taking pictures earlier. Cause he's like, well, I'm going to die anyway. So like, I don't care. And maybe, or maybe he thought he was outside the rules and he might win or like stay alive somehow. Cause chef really liked him. Like, I'm sure he could have had his own bullshit fucking idea of getting away. But either way, I think chef really got to him by the end and shook him up enough to, I mean, he was, that's why your comparison to Hannibal Lecter was pretty perfect because he also convinces people to just kill themselves all the time. I mean, I thought I was like, well, it's impressive for one movie to have two suicides and both of them are deeply impactful. Like, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like a lot of movies, like 
there, if there's if there's suicide, there's one suicide. Then there's murders and stuff. But like this was this guy drove two people individually and separately to kill themselves because of this. It's intense. That's that's some Hannibal Lecter shit. I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, and then I think you get to the big like, oh, they're really fucked when the Coast Guard shows up, right? Yeah, so they have that moment where, like, they think they're going to be saved. Because Margo went and called the fucking Coast Guard and he shows up. And, like, I just love that he's like, oh, like, he recognizes the actor. He's like, can I get an autograph or whatever? Yeah. (laughs) So good. Well, and one little thing that stuck out to me the second time that I watched it was he has that whole bit where he's, like, where he puts his hand over the fire. And he's like, you know, Cook's hands or asbestos hands. Like, I can carry a cast iron from the kitchen to the table. And so he's like, I don't feel anything. But then when the Coast Guard comes, he he wraps his hand up. And so he's like, oh, no, you're just bullshitting. Yeah. It's all shit. Like, that actually hurt. You just withheld the pain. Exactly. Because that's kind of like the image he wants to put out there, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why Margot calling him on his shit at the end is so perfect. Because she's like, all this shit that you're doing is like, you're also ruining it, you know, which yeah. I'm sure all these people drove you to it, but like, you're also part of the problem. Yeah. And then she gets him off at the end, basically providing a good, providing him with some pleasure with a cheeseburger. Yeah. Because it, it was not even just the fact that like, that was what he used to cook. It was just the only photo she saw of him smiling from back in the day when he was just cooking up cheeseburgers, like before all this shit happened. And he had the joy of cooking and pleasing somebody. And she gives him that, and that's why he lets her go. And I just, it's perfect. That that whole sequence is is great. Of like that, they are saying things to each other, but it it's very clear, like from their eyes, that they are reading between what they're saying. Like, can I get this to go? And then, like, there's this moment of him thinking, and it is great. I know. I really thought that that was excellent and a cool twist because I was like, yeah, if she dies, it's just really unfair, especially because Tyler knew that she was going to die and hired a fucking worker mm-hmm. to come die. That's bullshit. Yeah. I also love when, when Ralph Fiennes quoted Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> and I was like, did he just did he quote Martin Luther King Jr.? It's kind of problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole the whole plot really was just like it kept ratcheting up and then it just ends in this perfect like it all comes together with the s'mores at the end, and they cook all of the guests as the s'mores. The s'mores speech was so was so good, it was so funny. It's everything wrong with us, and yet we associate it with innocence, with childhood, mom and dad. But what transforms this fucking monstrosity is fire. I love how they make them pay the bill right then too, like right before they fucking die. And then they also like, they all start saying like, thank you, chef. Like they all kind of accept it by the end. And they're like, you're right. I belong here or something. It was kind of funny. And I, I also just was like, those outfits look delicious. That, that is going to be a bunch of people's Halloween costumes. I'm doing it for sure. And (laughs) I'm going to get, I'm going to make it so I can eat it throughout the night. I think that'll be the way to go. The s'more, the most offensive assault on the human palate ever contrived. Unethically sourced chocolate and gelatinized sugar water imprisoned by industrial grade graham cracker. All right, for our fourth and final course. You're not going to kill me, are you? (laughs) 
now that I'm not qualified to be that kind of chef and make those kind of calls. I would be more like, uh, what's his name? The mess. Is it Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy, the yeah. sous chef. Yeah, I'd be the guy who just ends up killing himself. <laughs> Me too, but I'd do, do it at the beginning once I realized what was happening. So I thought for the fourth course, you know, this is a movie that has a lot to say. And, you know, it's it's a funny movie. There's a lot of movies that are, you know, they're either just horror movies or they're just comedy movies or, you know, you're, you're just there to have a good time, entertainment. This is a movie that does a lot of things and it also has a lot to say about it. So I wanted to kind of ask you to kind of tie, tie a bow on this this episode. What 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 did you interpret or what do you think the message was that you took away from the menu? Well, there's like I'm sure there's like a million different types of ways mm-hmm. to interpret this movie. I I'm sure people might be confused at the ending, like why did he change his mind and let her go? I know we kind of already talked about that, but I think it's more about, you know, I know they talk about the shit shovelers, like versus the people who fucking, uh, like the the takers, right? Yeah. Givers versus takers, and I think it's really cool that like it can apply to just all art or cooking like or specifically even film criticism i mean there's all these different things and each character too is also kind of saying a certain message basically but it i think a lot of it is like you know these people that are killing themselves for their work to try and strive to be perfect you'll never achieve it there's no point maybe to killing yourself for art especially if it doesn't make you happy you know i think that's the big thing of the movie is that even all the guests in some way, they all have lost their pleasure in life. They're not getting anything out of this. They're just doing it to do it because of whatever their personal reasons are, but none of it is for the pleasure, right? Yeah. And so I think what's great is that he, like, at the end, Sloak realizes that he's also part of the problem. I know mm-hmm. he's become, he's doing this because he's become so phased by everything. He doesn't care anymore. But, like, I think in the end, he really realizes that he is full of shit. Mm-hmm. you know and the fact that she calls him on that also dares to send the food back and didn't really eat anything and then gives him the pleasure one last time of remembering why he enjoyed it in the first place which was just to please somebody and to care about that and then there's that whole moment of her being like can i get this to go and that's when he decides that yeah she's like she earned her way she gave him a happy ending if you will it, it could be turned <laughs> yeah. like you know viewed in a sexual way <laughs> but i just thought that, that was really really cool and i'm glad that she lived because she's like i was like she's a final girl she's got to make it she oh, has yeah. that she has that vibe for sure yeah. you know i totally agree with you I th- and yeah i think this movie y- you can look at it just on the on the surface of like this is uh, a satire about the restaurant industry and, and, and food culture. Yeah. And it, it very much is, but yeah, like I, I agree with you that this is, this is about not just food, but it's a, it's about art. It's an art can be anything from, yeah, food, movies, uh, people who, you know, sculpt things with their hands. Like it could be anything. And I think it really is kind of a satire or, you know, you could say a uh, uh, infomercial or what's that? What's that thing? A uh, you know, cautionary tale of oh yeah the the where art starts 
and where it can end when when art becomes more than what you originally thought it would be or originally wanted it to be like this guy loved cooking and then he found someone who gave him money to to do more of it and to make money for him and then someone else promoted it and then it just became this thing that was bigger than him and what he wanted to do and you're right like it kind of makes chef look like the victim in all this but then you realize that he's also part of the problem like he he forgot why he was doing it but he kept going Mm -hmm. yeah exactly he didn't really look inward and think about it and that's the the thing is that like at some point if you're really good at what you do maybe it could turn into obsession rather than love right because that's what she says is missing from all of his food and that he cooks with obsession which I think the pressure also that it puts on you to try and be perfect and to keep fucking pushing the envelope that definitely like requires obsession in order to keep striving for, for, I mean, look at the way that they were living and doing all that shit. Just so precise. I mean, that's gotta be fucking hell (laughs) to live there and do that for a living. And there's people that actually do that. I just can't imagine it. And like the fact that the chefs were all the like cooks there, they were all like, all on board like let's fucking kill ourselves because they know they know that like they've basically just given up their whole lives to be miserable trying to like service people that don't want to be pleased that's like (laughs) the definition of fucking hell (laughs) you know totally and And yeah i think like having that mirror put up to him at the end is what really swings the fences for her and he's also kind of impressed i think like damn now that's a service worker. That yeah. was a service. She she even like it's like she's faking an orgasm when she eats the cheeseburger. She's like, mm, oh my god, like it's basically <laughs> that when Harry met Sally scene almost, <laughs> and he's loving it. That's what he wants. She's playing it up for him. Just had to figure out what his kink was. <laughs> well, I think the lesson that we can all take away is do things because you love them. Don't don't try and ruin things. I mean that's. That's why you and I started talking about movies is we just love a lot of movies. We we love weird movies. We love, you know, mainstream movies. And we just like them. We just talk about them. Yeah. And here's a warning for all of our listeners. If we ever become the biggest podcast in the world, <laughs> and if we ever send you an invitation to come have dinner with us or something, probably because we're going to burn the place down. We yeah. have, we have We have not... We've not avoided the problem from the menu, and now we just have to resolve it. So yeah, <laughs> so just leave us alone, okay? That's it. And even if anyone pays attention to us, we're still not going to do whatever you say, okay? Just because you might want to listen, we'll get the listens, get some money. I don't care. I'm not going to go down this way. I like s'mores too much. <laughs> know about you renee but i am full after that four course meal really i i'm starving (laughs) i was thinking i might go get a cheeseburger oh what a great movie glad that we started the year off with it me too this was uh i mean i think it deserves to be nominated in the best picture category i think you do as well and yeah it deserves to be nominated for several things and the award the academy awards are weird and movies they pick are weird but whatever this movie's awesome can't take that away yeah and people are talking about it so 
you know, that's a good, that's a win in my book. <laughs> Definitely. Well, speaking of awards, we're coming up to the awards season. The Oscars should be, uh, what? They're releasing the nominees. They're going to be releasing the nominees next Tuesday, the 24th of January. All right. It's going to be a big day. Biggest day. No, I'm just kidding. I am looking forward to it, though. That'd be interesting. Everything everywhere, all at once. You just got to win. That's all that matters. I wanted to win everything. Well, we are kind of going to play around with this award season. And uh, next episode, we're not talking about a movie. We're going to do our kind of our own awards, the regular exclusive awards, where we're going to be talking about one actor and every award goes to that actor. But the awards are going to vary just depending on what movie we think they did that applies best to that award. And it's going to be fun. We have some guests that are going to be joining us. Yes, we do. And we had to figure out what actor have the four of us seen a lot of their movies and I mean, especially grew up watching and could try this new thing out. And have a lot to talk about because there's got to be a lot of options to choose from. And I think we picked the perfect person. Yeah, I think so. We are talking about Johnny Depp next week. We're talking about all the movies that we grew up watching of his. And we got some categories and we're going to all say what movies we think are the best of those. Because we grew up watching a lot of Johnny Depp movies all through high school. And All you watched it even before high school, so. Oh yeah, I've I've uh, I've been watching his movies for a very very long time, and I think it was just we all had that in common, and we decided to celebrate his acting because he's a great actor, and we love Captain Jack Sparrow especially. But I think it's a fun discussion. I think it'll be fun, and it gets got me in the mood for award season. So. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll try this these awards out with different actors you know? yeah but we just want to have a little fun try it out yeah and you know what we'll we'll get johnny on the show afterwards we'll <laughs> see what he thinks we'll present him with the award later but yeah you will want to listen to this episode if you have watched johnny depp movies growing up because some of the picks might shock you yeah but... we had some good surprises there i mean there was also four of us and we couldn't pick pirates for everything, so we tried to have fun with it. And there's a lot. I mean, he's done a fuck ton of movies. And I think if you just, you know, we did some fun categories. We didn't do like standard Oscar categories. So I think I think we'll do this again for sure. It'll be yeah, it'll be a good one. But in the meantime, do all the social media things. We're there. You know where to find us. And um, yeah, we will see you next week on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We're out here.